Hi, I'm Kristen Galloway, and welcome to the Actually I Can podcast. This is a podcast for when you want to be encouraged by hearing someone share a struggle or a challenge that they went through, and in the process, discover that actually I can. These are conversations with friends that are just ordinary people living extraordinary lives. You're listening to episode four with guest Ann Egan. I knew from the time I began dreaming about this podcast that Anne was absolutely one of the people I would want to have as a guest, but we just hadn't gotten around to figuring that out. Then yesterday afternoon, Anne called to say she really wanted to record her story. As it turned out, several people had recently been asking her about it. You see, Anne's Actually I Can story is about her recent experience with breast cancer. And then just this week, a friend of a friend of hers received a similar diagnosis and called Anne looking for insight and encouragement. Spontaneity is historically how Anne and I roll. So after she called, I hopped in my car, drove over to her place, and we recorded our conversation. God's timing is perfect, and so I'm optimistic that Anne's Actually I Can story will be a help to at least one person out there. Listen in. I am here with the beautiful Anne Egan. And I am in her house, which I have been coming to this house for 20 years. And I have seen it go through renovations and so many different people being in your home, Anne. And this is just a place of love and community. And let me tell you, my dear friend Anne is an Italian from Chicago. And if you don't know Italians from Chicago or maybe (laughs) anywhere, you don't know that like they live to have people over and to be um, just to use their gift of hospitality and Anne is so gifted in that Um, you cannot leave her house without being fed and loved and comforted and encouraged and lots of hugs and kisses so I love coming here and so thanks for being on my podcast today well thank you for having me Kirsten (laughs) Anna and I have been through like I said 20 years of friendship and you can imagine in all that time the ups and downs the messes we've been in the funny moments the babies the you name it, the jobs, everything. And one of the things that Anne has gone through in the last few years is something that we're gonna talk about today because um, it's just an incredible story. And I think she is gonna be really encouraging to people whether you've been through something like this or not. But Anne has been through um, a journey with breast cancer. Really strangely, you found a lump. Right. Right? I and did. it was really weird because it was the kind of cancer that isn't easily detectable. Right. It wouldn't necessarily even come up in a mammogram. Right. But you had a couple of things, and um, you ended up going into the doctor to have it taken a look at, right? So right. then what happened? Okay, so um, when I found the lump, uh, I it happened to be uh, October, and it was Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It was October of 2018. So... Um, it was really hard to get into the doctor with that lump. And so typically, you know, if you call up, you can get in in the next day or even the same day. But it took me two weeks. I had to go on a wait list. And um, so by the time I got in there, my nerves were pretty, uh, you know, riled up. Um, But the day of the of the um, of the mammal or yeah of the mammal grandma girlfriend last minute decided said I you know maybe I should just come with you I'm mm-hmm. like all right okay mm-hmm. I guess so I'll be fine though but mm-hmm. thank goodness that she came because um during that mammogram I had a 3D mammogram and we had the lump marked on it so you had already felt kind I of felt the lump so we put they marked it yeah. we did a 3D mammogram and then we did an ultrasound and um 
the lump was marked on both and they still couldn't pick it up. Oh my word. So, um, so finally the doctor came in and said, you know what, let's find this lump, put your hand on it. Let me put my hand on it. Then they grabbed the ultrasound machine and they quite, they found it. And she says, can we do a biopsy right now? So we did this biopsy right then. And I, that thank goodness my girlfriend was with me because I needed her to take me home. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and it was a little disturbed yeah. and it was a little, you know, it was, I was not what I expected. Right? It yeah. very much was. So they said the next day you'll find out if it's cancer. So the next day, um, you know, I get the phone call and, and of course, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, but Ugh. it's, uh, you know, you know, lobule invasive, invasive lobular carcinoma cancer. I don't know what that is, but it sure sounded scary and disturbing. Um, next thing you know, being Italian, I start calling everybody. I know Kirsten got a phone call at one point <laughs> that night. And I mean, you got it later in the night, but I mean, I went down the line <laughs> I got, and everyone had to know, like I yeah. had to turn it into a drama right away, I guess. Um, but that's part of how, uh, we know how to cope with things. So, um, so I come home, I, I am calling, um, my mother knew that I had a, my mother knew that I had, was waiting for this biopsy and, and your mom uh, was in Chicago and my mother lives in Chicago and my mother's about 87 years old in Chicago. So I'm here in Minnesota and, um, I downplayed the whole biopsy thing to her, uh, and, but when I, once I found out it was breast cancer, I called my cousins in Chicago and uh, I said to them, please, I think this is cancer. I know my mom's going to freak out. So can you get over there? And you come from like a really like big family in Chicago. Right. I mean, I have a big extended family. I just have a brother, but, um, but all of my cousins are involved yeah. as yeah. if they were siblings. So... Uh, my cousins, him and his wife, both, uh, they drove, they drove over to my mom's house. But in the meantime, so I was stalling talking to my mom to, to let her know. Because you guys talk a lot on the phone. A lot of times, right. Mm -hmm. And so in the meantime, my mom's calling me. And she called three times in the first time I passed. I, I She's like, Ann, what happened with the biopsy? And I said, oh, mom, wait a second. Maddie wants to talk to you, <laughs> you know. And so then I just threw my daughter on the phone. And then um, and then she babbled and my mom forgot about the question. And then they hung up. And then she called again saying, Ann, you forgot. And I said, oh, one more thing, mom. And I threw another kid on the phone and, she, and, it, and it worked. But then the third phone call, she's like, and I'm hoping my cousins would be there by the then but they were in route and it was like rush hour and everything so um I have so I tell my mom I'm like oh. all right mom I, I have to tell you it is cancer and mom being Italian and 87 years old um she went into this no it was very dramatic what are you telling me what are you telling me <laughs> I'm laughing and... funny, but she I know Yolanda and she's like this beautiful person with so much emotion yes I could just hear her wailing at you she was wailing what are you saying and she was going on and on and on and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere she says can I tell people <laughs> like like all of a sudden she like she just totally switched gears and um 
And she, and, and again, that's a very Italian thing because now they got some gossip. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. now she, that's how she processed it. So I said, of course, you can tell whoever you need to tell if that's going to help you process it. So for the next 24 hours, I didn't even hear from my mom. I mean, I, we, I seriously didn't have another phone call from my mom for 24 hours because she was too busy letting everybody know. Um, very dramatic, very, very Italian, but it, it it's all good, you know, because we got the prayers going pretty early yeah. on that. So I pretty went right into seeing a surgeon and, and uh, they told me I was probably not going to need chemo. I for sure would need radiation based on my numbers. And I can't remember what all of those numbers were and what they meant. But um, you had to go to a couple, you went and got a couple of different opinions. Yeah, right? I went to one. I loved that one doctor went to a second one. And, and what basically what I needed to hear is I always kind of thought a lot of women have an opinion. If I ever get breast cancer, I'm going to do this. Well, mm-hmm. my thought was I'll just remove both my breasts. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but the surgeon said you can do, you can remove the lump. You can remove one breast. You can remove both breasts. This is your body, your decision. I wanted somebody to tell me. Oh, I remember what, this. You, you need, I needed to know that removing both breasts was not me being, over the top like I I needed some validation that it was a good decision that I was that it was a good educated decision Mm -hmm. and um and so I I kept until I got that answer I was going to keep digging in and talking to different doctors and researching it until I got it so the second doctor thankfully felt the lump and said just looked at me and said absolutely absolutely I never ever tell my patients what to do but I am telling you remove your breast and remove both breasts especially because it was so hard to find in the first place right? it's hard Wasn't to find lobular is kind of a, a harder can, cancer to find and um and and I don't don't have large breasts so they're like she said if we're going to move that lump it's you'll never get your breasts looking right so it just makes sense to just redo you know get them both done at the same time Okay. And that was enough to give me the okay. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I still, I liked my first surgeon better anyway. So that's who did the surgery. So a couple things during this whole, whole, um, process is, um, is first of all, everybody has an opinion. So when you start talking to people, your friends, every friend has a friend that had been through breast cancer. Breast cancer is so common. Women are getting it left and right I mean Mm -hmm. and and we all know we're probably going to survive we're probably going to be okay you know it's a very high recovery with breast cancer thank god Mm -hmm. um in our parents days that wasn't the case it was kind of a death sentence even so it's still so scary it's very scary it's very scary but everyone in their opinions and they mean well and so I was I appreciated it it stressed me out because I had some people say don't remove your breasts at all. That's awful. Or you need to see the right doctors. And, yeah, and you know, everybody had a different doctor I should see or whatever. And it was mm-hmm. too stressful. I, my, my piece is that everybody, every woman has to do what's right for what works for them mm-hmm. and what gives them peace and what lets them sleep at night mm. and not constantly second guess. Because yeah. in my eyes, if I just removed uh, just the lump, I'd be constantly, I know what I'd be doing, feeling for lumps all the time and constantly running to the doctor, th- you know. Right, so, for sure. Um, so I, so my, yeah, my piece is just not to be so... Um, 
is to just we have to be respectful of what people are going through and not be uh well that's a good point and like, be, be respectful of what of what people decide for themselves right mm-hmm. not try to second guess them and support them in that right mm-hmm. i mean that's really a, and i that's a life lesson for me because i am one that tells everybody what mm-hmm. to do so so um given my person my experience with this i'm I've worked very hard to to step back from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I had a lot of, I had God on this journey from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So um, I had a couple of signs that were weird that, 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 that caused you to like, to question that something was up, but I don't know, I wasn't thinking breast cancer. Or I wasn't thinking anything, but I had some, but I knew something was weird. You found yeah. it by accident. Very, by, very so... much by accident. Um, the, um, the, the, my sign, can I tell my sign? Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So my sign that really got me the most, it's just such a bizarre thing is, um, I had a dream that I was breastfeeding my dog and it was a really weird dream. Like she, he, I, I was breastfeeding on one breast and then it was time to switch to the other breast and he refused to eat, to take it. And I, and that was the breast that I ended up having the cancer on. So the dream was very vivid, extremely vivid. I woke up feeling like I was engorged, feeling like, like that something yeah. wasn't right. And I thought about that dream for a couple of weeks and I still wasn't picking up on what the meaning was. Right. And then sure enough, I'm taking a shower one morning, getting ready for work and, and my pinky and I, and God seriously put my hand on it. He put my, cause I just don't touch my breasts. I yeah. don't pay attention to this stuff. So, um, he took my pinky and put it right on this teeny tiny little bitty lump that I had a hard time finding a second time, but I did. Mm -hmm. And I knew, and I'm going to tell you, I knew that it was cancer because then all of a sudden the light went on that all my signs that I had, um, now it made sense. And I knew it was cancer, but I knew, and I, and I really mean this. I knew that I wasn't going to die from this, at least this round. I wasn't going to die from it because, um, God, God, wanted me to know so badly that he put my hand on it okay mm. so um mm. if i was gonna die from it i probably wasn't gonna that have my hand me on it goosebumps it's like he's so in the details of our lives for that to happen and for him to i mean i think god comes to us a lot in dreams and that can look really different for all kinds of people and this might sound like a really weird dream but <laughs> i know but it's only you Anne, and only you could have like a dream like that but i think it's really incredible that he communicates with us in these really amazing ways Uh, absolutely and and being in tune to that to to those right to to what what, what's being told uh you know what he's trying to tell us um so down the road you know we we um we my i had kirsten was one of them but kirsten and, and another girlfriend had a bye-bye booby party for me um <laughs> and it was really kind of a fun way to make it light and i got all fun all sorts of fun things everything was pink and you know and 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 um it was and we just told stories and um and, a, and it was an eclectic group of friends of mine they did not all know each other and we all everyone was a 
part of it, but the common piece was they were all my friends. So yeah. um, Kirsten then did a closed in a beautiful prayer. Aww. Okay, I mean, and, and my other friends still continue to, I, I hear that a lot. Oh, that's the friend that prayed so beautifully. Um, but they sur everyone surrounded me and Kirsten blessed, they all put hands on me and Kirsten mm -hmm. just prayed trade mm -hmm. over me so um it was such a fun night because i mean it sounds so weird that it was fun because here we are gathering to support you as you're going to go have this surgery and yet it was a celebration of you and your friendships and just i think a really big sign of how um just a demonstration meaning that you can have like this eclectic group of friends that from all these different parts of your life and they all come together because that's because you're so loved yeah, right. Yeah, you that's were so loved. And so it's like a love fest, basically. And, and I think I'm going cool to tell you, I felt it mm. the whole experience. Mm. I mean, I felt loved. In fact, today I still feel loved. Okay, mm. so like that, it was never. Um, that's such a beautiful gift to to feel loved, and um, and it's a humble. It's it's humbling to be loved. It's not an arrogant thing, mm -hmm. you know. That yeah, I know that sure. I am loved. Yes. Um, it's 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 so it's it's humbling to me um so um the day of the surgery i mean even so the day of the surgery my friends at my um at my catholic church that i that i belong to they all got a group of together of uh and they did a did a rosary um they or, organized this whole rosary prayer time mm, um while so cool. and they did it during the surgery um kirsten Aww. Lovely Kirsten again sent um, one of her friends that happened to be a nurse, a surgical nurse in that same in the hospital and was there working that morning, not on my surgery, but she was working there. And she sent her friend in and she sat and prayed with me. Nurse Heidi. Yeah, nurse Heidi before <laughs> before my surgery. OK, so um, this and, and then. Uh, another girlfriend gave me a holding cross, a little miniature holding cross, Aww. and uh, it was little. And do you know what a holding cross is? You, no. you, it's, it's a little cross that you put between your hands, okay? okay. And it just fits Aww. so you can cling to this oh, yeah. little cross. Oh, I love the um, idea of that. And and uh, and it really helped because when I whenever I did feel any anxious with it, I just grabbed that cross and and I just put all my energy into it, and it and it would bring peace to me. Can I tell a funny story? Yeah. Though? Do you remember when there was another time in your life where you were just really clinging to Jesus mm -hmm. and you would drive around oh. with, <laughs> you drove around with a picture from your childhood, a painting that was hanging in your parents', parents house. house of Jesus and you just had him in your, um, the passenger seat with you. Yeah. And it just, I love that so much because it's so you and it just. I love that you're like, I'm driving around with Jesus. Like, he is right here with me. We're going to get through this together. <laughs> literally right here with you. And um, I'll never forget that. And I remember I found, like, it was like a, a funny Jesus that you could put on your dashboard. Dashboard Jesus. So I got the dashboard Jesus for you. But it just wasn't the same. Like, the moment that you had the picture of Jesus in your passenger seat, that's just well, something I'll never forget. I loved it. But that picture yeah. was spooky as a child to me because it was a wood carving face of Jesus and so the eyes followed you so wherever you were so I always would be like hiding from it I'd crawl around it like it really oh, so spooked scary. me when I was a kid yeah okay but 
this time in that particular time in my life, I needed those eyes on me. Okay. Ah. And so it's, I laid that picture on my seat and those eyes were always staring at me yeah. and it kept me grounded. So I cool? still have it, but I don't have it hanging. It's sitting in a box. Okay. <laughs> if I need it, I'll pull it out. But it's a little, oh, it's one of my it favorite still is things. a little, you know, creepy in a way. It's not well, creepy, but it, yeah. it, it to a yeah. kid, it's creepy. Yeah. Um, so um sorry that was a little yeah so it was a six hour <laughs> surgery and after the surgery was over i asked the nurses i was so frightened when i woke up into the in the recovery room i have uh, you know you you guys I, I went to sleep and i woke up with no breasts like oh. i mean that's kind of a that's Oof. kind of a it was that was probably the hardest piece of the whole thing is the mm -hmm. re and i didn't allow myself to think about that mm -hmm. but when i did allow myself that it's just a really mm, so dramatic like the, that body part is gone and I was not particularly attached to my breasts but but I just they were taken out of me yeah. so um well you were attached and then... I mean I am I guess I literally <laughs> was attached to them but okay yeah. so um fast forward after now you know I'm in my room in the um in the hospital room and uh, my husband gives me the grim news mm, that yeah. that um the tumor was sitting on a muscle, um, which means they had to take a chunk of muscle out from under my arm. Uh, they did check to see lymph nodes. They took a couple of lymph nodes out. It was in one lymph node. It was not in another. So because it was big, bigger, it was definitely, it was a bigger tumor than they thought. It was sitting on a lymph node at, or sitting on a muscle and it was in a lymph node. It moved me up to a different stage. Okay. Uh, I can't remember now if it was 2C or three something i mean it moved me it moved me yeah. up to a different stage so going into the surgery i was told again that i was just going to have to do radiation and no chemo but because of this the doctor said you're likely going to have chemo first because it was in the lymph node so um so that put me that put me into another uneasiness yeah um, that really that really bothered you it really did bother me uh -huh. and um because that wasn't what your expectation was. You came out of it almost with a different diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, what I've learned is uh, when women <laughs> find out they have breast cancer and the, they, you, you, they're like, oh, and I'm not going to need chemo. That's only until they do the surgery that you can believe that. And you just mm -hmm. got to wait until after the surgery because everything can, can change. Okay. Um, so, in, so you just have to go into everything with a with uh, with an open heart and trust that God's going to get you through whatever the plan is. Right. You know, um, in the end, though, in the very in the total end, I. But I, uh, before you get to that, yeah. though, tell me about like remember when you came out of surgery and you were really scared. Yeah. I was super scared. I asked the nurse to get me that holding cross. Yeah. And then she she found it really quick. I was asking for uh, a, my girlfriend, a, a girlfriend who was sitting in the waiting room that day yeah. with my mother and my husband's family. Um, I was I asked for that friend to come in and pray with me, but she already left and nobody wanted to tell me that. Oh. So um, so then I looked at the nurses and I said, can you pray? Oh. And so, you know, the nurses, they did. Sure. And they they put wow. their hand on me and they prayed. I mean, it, you were so lucky because not everybody would do that. No, I don't. I and it, you know, oh, okay, it wasn't I say a, lucky, but God puts these people in the room with you. Right. Like he I knew agree. who needed to be there. I agree. And I, I mean, and my heart was open to, to oh, receiving yeah. it. And, um, and asking, 
and asking, I wasn't afraid to ask. Right. Right. I guess, um, I guess those were pretty, it was remarkable that, uh, that I was that peaceful with that, you know, or that I was in tune to those, to those, um, emotions or feelings that I was having. Um, so, you know, I had a couple of complications in the hospital. Kirsten came to visit me. Um, uh, you came to visit me like the, you were in so much pain. Like I, I you, was okay. So what happened was I was you, in the hospital yeah. for three nights, and the first night I did so well that they took me off of the. Uh, they took me off of um, something like the IV or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I kept having to get up and go to the bathroom, and it was very difficult to move. So she said, "You know what? I'm not going to give you those fluids anymore. You seem to be doing good." And um, they took me off of that too soon because the next morning when I went to the to the rest bathroom and they put me in a chair for a while. Um, they ha- they left to go do their morning rounds, and I you was starting out. to pass yeah. out. And yeah. I'm pushing, calling, pushing the button, the help button, calling out, help, help, but no. And I could hear the buzzer going off on oh. the nurse's desk, and nobody came because they were so busy. When they came in to me, I was completely passed out. So um, now they decided they were nervous that something you know, I don't know why I passed out and they took me off of all pain meds. Okay. Because they had to figure out if maybe the pain meds were causing the pass out. What I believe it was, was a panic attack. Okay. Like I think I was sitting there alone in a chair trying to be brave. And the reality of what just happened 24 hours ago hit me and, um, and, and I probably got lightheaded, but nobody knew that. So when you Kirsten came to visit me, I have had, I had no pain meds for the next 24 hours. So I, it was, it was uh, fairly painful, and yeah. it was it was very painful. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. That I mean, but scary. we figured that out, and, and and it kept me in the hospital for three days. But I got home, and 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 it was all okay. Um, in the end, I did, and just I did not have to go through chemo because of the um, that they tested the tumor, and that and that's another whole godly story, mm, you know, mm-hmm. um, how I came across a different oncologist who, and blah blah blah. Yeah, I can go on about that story, okay? But I didn't have to have chemo. Um, what I did have was. Uh, we did if i did have chemo if i was going to have to have chemo and this is before i knew that they wanted me to have a colonoscopy because i was turning 50 and then it would have been like eight months before after chemo before i could even consider a colonoscopy Mm -hmm. so i ended up having um the double mastectomy in november of 2018 two weeks later i had a colonoscopy Mm. okay so that was like early december and then a month later from there, like early January, I had a total hysterectomy. We decided that that that's shutting down my I, I made that choice too. Mm-hmm. again. We could have taken a pill, but shutting down my ovaries was the best way to stop this cancer from coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, I I did not have to do a total hysterectomy, but decided if they were willing to do it, that I wanted that because that eliminates a lot of other cancers, Mm, cervical, uterine, ovarian. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's just get them out of my body. I don't need them. So that was my choice. Okay. So, um, so I had a double mastectomy, a colonoscopy, a total hysterectomy, and then I had 33 rounds of radiation. Um, and then eventually, uh, I had reconstructive, reconstructive surgery, Um, And I did, so I was basically put out uh, five times over the course of nine months because after my reconstruction, I had an emergency 
uh, hematoma mm, issue mm -hmm. with a, like basically kind of like a blood clot. Okay. Yeah. How did I get through this? Yeah. So okay. this podcast is actually I can and Anne has such a remarkable story about this. So tell us how. So how did I get through this? Okay. I started a prayer journal. I listed all the pains of, of the other people of my of others in that were in my life so i had friends who had children going through pains i had friends whose mothers parents were I, my mother-in-law was going through uh lung cancer during mm -hmm. this time so i mean i had this list get people with like eating disorders uh, and... eating disorders depression um uh came my one of my girlfriends in chicago cancer her mother had cancer was di dying from cancer and my i you you guys i cannot even tell you this list okay yeah. uh uh addiction mm -hmm. uh Ugh. people there was there Marital was this troubles, list. Like absolutely everything there was a, there was a list and mm -hmm. anytime somebody uh i never did this before like if you know we say i'll pray for you yeah um anytime somebody would say that I started just writing it down. Yeah. And so when I'd go to church or when I started feeling anxious about anything, I yeah. just started going to my list. And I'd look at my list and I would just shut my eyes and just really pray for that person and then go down oh. the line. So That is beautiful. I mean, I guess the word is I faithfully prayed for each and every one on my list. And yeah. I really mean this, and I do not mean this to be boastful because this is not where I'm coming right. from, is that I really didn't pray once for myself. Uh. I never said, I never, and I really mean this, never once talked to God about taking care of me on this. Now, why? Because I knew mm. everybody around me had mm -hmm. had that they were praying for me mm -hmm. so um i know that power of prayer i felt it so mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't feel a desire or need to have to pray for myself mm -hmm. um i had so much of it around me so you um, even call like i remember you calling saying okay pray out loud for me right now yeah. like i need to i just need to hear it yeah and, and we would just pray like driving in the car or wherever and i know i wasn't the only one like you had so many people in your life that would do that and um, and from all walks of life and all kinds of, I mean, I go to a evangelical church, you go to a Catholic church, but we all love Jesus and we all know the power of prayer. Yeah. And you had that just like over you all the time. I mean, I totally, completely was covered. Okay. Like I, mm. I knew it, I felt it. And, um, and because of that, I remained extremely calm and peaceful and I am like you, Kirsten, not a super calm, peaceful person. Okay, like <laughs> right. we're pretty. We're like wild. two peas in a pod We're pretty that active. Way. Okay, yeah. so um, I, I, that that was the that actually was the most beautiful like piece of the whole thing. For you. Supernatural, because I, I never had such peace. Right. I, to the, today, I still don't have that peace. I had wow. it during this time. So um, one thing I got to say, and I only have two more things left to say. Okay, okay and we can wrap it up. Is um, the, and I will, I'm not afraid to say this, okay? I mean, I I absolutely loved all the attention that I got, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I, I really I love that, though. It. I love that. You, yeah, I I'm, love it. I miss the attention, okay? So do. like a yeah. year, well, I'm okay now. I'm okay yeah. now. It's, but like this fall, the fall, fall of 2019. So one year later. One year later of finding out about the cancer. Yeah. I missed that that attention. I was feeling, I had a kind of sad, I felt a little sad because I wasn't getting all that attention anymore. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. all I could, that's yeah. all I could say. But it's not like I, 
I, you know, I, it's not like I wanted to go through it again. Of course not, but I understand what But you're what a great from. feeling to know, to have Aww. all that love around yeah. you and to know that at any person that you call, I mean, I had a friend show up at my door and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm so glad you came here. Can you clean my kitchen? Because <laughs> my mom's not cleaning it good enough, okay? And then another friend is like, take, you know, I, can you go, can you go vacuum upstairs? I had a couple of, I had at least three friends come at different times doing that, you know, because they knew that I didn't like sitting in a mess. Um, but no one's going to do that now for me unless, I mean, I guess I could ask, but I have no reason I, to I ask. Right <laughs> yeah, now, Leave so, vacuum yeah, okay. when you're done because I don't want to look at that mess. Um, go clean my bathroom. But it's kind of cool. It's like a mountaintop experience. It's like, so while you're in the valley, yeah, right, it actually became like a mountaintop experience where yeah. you're like, yeah, I mean, God, only God could do that. Only God can do that. Mm-hmm. Only God can do that. Mm-hmm. And that is the only, that's all I, that, that's all I can say about it. Mm-hmm. So I would say God is good. Mm-hmm. God is in control. God has a plan. Mm-hmm. Whenever I start feeling anxious, I hand that anxiety over to God. And I started doing this and it does work quite well for me. I um, inhale God's love and I take a deep breath and then I, exhale all of my anxieties and so when i'm feeling Mm -hmm. anxious i'll say inhale god's love and i'll take that deep breath exhale all anxieties Mm. and then in the end i actually can say i can (laughs) through god that's right okay so we got it (laughs) that's right and so there's my story i i got so much more i could say kirsten um, on another top, more, more to yes. add on. And, and, and Kirsten, you've been a huge piece of, huge piece of my faith journey. I mean, you, you, mm. you were like that for that person that got that, that helped me turn, bring Jesus into my heart. We've always loved God so much. I know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. And that maybe there was a time where you just really grew closer to him. And yeah, if I had anything to do with that, praise the Lord. Yeah. But Amen. Kirsten. Right. We're always trying to, um, grow, aren't we? Spiritually. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We so are. That's part of what so, I love about you. And something to be sad about yeah. uh, at the end is that when you're not going through the drama, yeah. I'm not thinking about it so mm. much. So I, miss, I I do think darkness is a great time to get closer to God. The, mm. the, the dark times are such a beautiful time. Mm. Um, even, one, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Dark, dark times are beautiful because then you really need them. And so you, it's, you cling to him I, in the darkness. And so when you're in a good place, it's not, it, it, ta- it takes a little more effort to, yeah. um, to remember yeah. to go talk to God. Right. you know, and to be thankful. Um, but I, I clearly am working on this podcast it. is part of that because Anne really wanted people to know her story because she's run into so many, you've run into so many people that are battling a similar situation. And you've heard from others that hearing your story can really be encouraging. And we're recording this so that we can share it with people who we come across who might um, need that that perspective that not mm-hmm. everybody can offer because not everyone has been through it. And when you hear that, you know, actually I can get through this because through all things, we can get through all things through Jesus. 
then that is something that is so powerful. So I'm so thankful that you shared this story and I know we could talk forever because that's who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been doing that for 20 years and I look forward to another 20 years or more of that with you because I love you dearly. And I'm so thankful for your friendship and for you having the heart to share that with everyone, Anne. Thank you, Kirsten, for having me. Yes. Okay, I have to apologize for laughing so loudly at points in that conversation. Anne has a way of making me laugh even in the most serious of circumstances. And while driving around with a Jesus portrait in your passenger seat is funny, it's also such a wonderful reminder that he is always with us. And sometimes having him riding shotgun is the perfect reassurance. I hope you've been encouraged by Anne's story of how she found a supernatural peace in a really dark time of her life. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. A huge thank you to Lacey Canfield for allowing me to play her music in my podcast. I encourage you to check her out on iTunes and stay tuned because guess what? Coming soon, a podcast episode with none other than this amazing singer, songwriter, musician, talented person. And another huge thank you to those of you who have left a comment, some stars, or shared the podcast. I am so thankful. Again, thanks for listening, and I hope you experience your own Actually I Can moments.